I've been trying, I was trying to get a publisher for the last, for, for two and a half years before I got my book deal. Um, 252, 253 uh, publishers said no to me. Um, sent emails out, called them. Nope, 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 no, no, no. I got a lot of no. I got so many no's I thought I was with my name. And um, like, no, no, no. I was like, my name is no now. So no, I, I, I didn't take no for an answer. Thank you for tuning in to IPU Podcast, a show about business owners, philanthropists, and influencers from the African diaspora. I'm your host, Jay Tessie. I have a really special guest today, and his name is Ebang Eka. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to IPU. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Listen, I appreciate you because I know how busy you are. Please tell our listeners who you are and then we'll get into the details. Well, I started out as a CPA, but uh, what I mainly do now is I help uh, service-based entrepreneurs get clarity in their in their product and service, uh, clarity in their prices so they can raise their prices, uh, as well as get clarity in who they're going to target so they can sell to them adequately. And that's something that I've, I've always I've always enjoyed about entrepreneurship and helping people just you know jump basically uh, build the, uh, jump the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And by function of that kind of belief, I end up in a situation where I also now have a leadership and training uh, business. What you're doing may be different, but it's exactly the same path. How did you get into that? Um, the thing is, it's very simple. It's this. It's it's understanding, but it's important. It's imperative for you to, to be in control of your own your own economy. That's what I call it. Economy is not just money. Economy is your your ecosystem, your safety, being in control of what happens to you. So in life, uh, I live by you know I live by a, a few different philosophies, but one of the ones that's that's very important to me is stoicism. In that I stay present to the moment, and I'm not time traveling like a lot of people tend to do, and that ends up dissuading you from from doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I believe that I'm at the cause of what happens to me rather than being at the effect. Mm-hmm. And entrepreneurship is not just, you know, uh, I want to, I want to work nine to five by myself and, you know, spend time with my family. That's all great. Everybody, the guy who's making $10 million a year and he's working 80 hours a week, he wants to spend time with his family too, but he has a drive that actually supersedes what he's currently doing. And my mom raised four kids by herself and she would always say, nobody's going to help you. When you get into trouble, so you have to learn to be self-sufficient, and nature teaches us that in so many forms. You see this watching any you know Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom or whatever nature show. Nature will show you if you cannot take care of yourself. Nature will punish you. The elements will, other animals will, people within your own tribe will. So, uh, it, and I know that sounds a little you know a little too little too deep for many people, but it's the reality of the situation that we live in. That's true. Um, now let's backtrack a little bit though, because you played professional basketball for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. How did you come from yes. that and then transition to where you're at now? Can you just walk us through that journey? Well, it, it was always part of a plan. So one thing you'll notice about a lot of people who are successful is never a surprise where they end up. They're never surprised because they, they had an intention. Mm-hmm. So before you can actually do anything, you have to have the intention of what's what's going to happen to you. So for me, um, I never knew what I practiced was stoicism, but I always believed that I was that I was part of the cause. So I, I, everything I've accomplished, ninety-five percent of it, I had it. I thought about it in the past before we came before we came to me. So 
When I was young, becoming a CPA was intentional. Why? So that I can actually get a visa, a work visa, school visa, get a job, stay here, eventually naturalize as a U.S. citizen and stay here and live my entrepreneurial slash American dream. That was intentional. It was not a surprise. It was not, I didn't just wake up one day and decide to do something. It was literally intentional since I was 13 years old. And the same thing goes with basketball. I was, in t- I had, I had an intention that I, I remember telling people in high school that I was going to play professional basketball and they'd laugh at me and call me names and all sorts of other stuff. I'll tell you this much. There are people who I used to watch on television, on CBS, on One Shining Moment and the national tournament who could not get overseas to play basketball. While I played at a school that most people haven't heard of, I ended up playing professional basketball for a few years. And how did you make that happen? I mean, uh, so, it's all well and good. We can all say, oh, you know, your mindset is everything. But how do you actually put, you know, put that dream in a reality? For most people, so, that's where they struggle the most. You're absolutely right. So you're right. And this is where this is where motivation kind of falls flat uh, with, with, with other people. So I have this thing I say motivation and inspiration kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. People mistakenly put um, think the two are very similar. But they're not really. They both they they they're correlated, but they're not necessarily the same. So motivation is a thing that gets you going, like a spark, right? Like a like an explosion, a grenade, a bomb, whatever you want to call it. Right. And inspiration is a consistent slow burn over time. Now, inspiration is like like the candle wick or a fuse on on a stick of dynamite. Mm-hmm. It's slow and it burns. It continues to burn despite it raining. It continues to burn despite dirt. It continues to burn despite people trying to step on it. And that's what has to happen because life, majority of life is like that. So when you wake up in the morning, I don't feel like working out today. When you wake up in the morning and the person laying next to you is telling you your dreams, your dreams suck (laughs) or your friends or your family member, or um, you're watching the news and they're telling you bad news all day long, merchants of chaos, giving you all this bad advice, people giving you bad advice. And so how do you continue that journey? So to answer the question, with professional basketball, I literally took I, I took a look at how how other people get over there, and this is back in 1998 99. Mm-hmm. The internet was in its infancy. I couldn't just send a YouTube video or an email to somebody. Um, you I did send emails, but it took in 99. I started sending emails. So what I ended up doing was very simple. I I, I became friends with somebody uh, through uh, providing value to a website that talked about uh, international basketball. And through that, I met a few people who said, um, a few people who said, uh, oh, hey, I think you're, I I know you're interested in playing professional basketball. Here's a list of all the, uh, all the teams in this country. Here's a list of all the teams in that country. And that wasn't, that that sounded good, like a hookup, but that's like a small part of the work. So I literally, after I graduated college, um, just before I graduated and after I graduated college in the summer, I literally would work as a janitor cleaning office buildings. And, and, and living in the basement of one of my teammates' mother's house. And at night, I'd, I'd play basketball today, work out. In the evening, I was cleaning office buildings until midnight. And from midnight to three or four in the morning, I was on the phone calling people using something called 1010321 and those other long distance uh, things for like five, 10 cents a minute. And my phone bill was like $800, $1,000 a month. And I was making phone calls every single five days a week, calling people who didn't even speak English to ask them and talk to them about trying to play professional basketball. And when they, they, and they showed any interest, I would send them a tape. I would send them uh, a little packet that I put together with FedEx. That kind of commitment every freaking day. While 
I got people telling me who I used to watch on television saying it's not going to work for you. And they're going out to go get a job. Right. And right. so what, what kind what what kind of maniac does that kind of stuff for months and spending all this money that he doesn't have working to pay the phone bill just so the chance that I potentially may be able to play professional bat. So, so, so to answer your question, the motivation everybody has, and they can get excited watching Eric Thomas video, but what action are you going to get up off your ass and do every single day consistently when it rains and when it snows, when it's sleet and when it's hurricanes and whatever else. And at that time, I didn't care about any, what anybody else was saying. That's what I was about to do. So that's why, that's how I was able to do it. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I mean, you're working as a janitor, so obviously you could not afford paying $800 bills, let alone afford a meal. You know what I mean? So how long did you keep that up until there was a breakthrough or, I mean, how do you know when to give up on a dream? It, a, that's a very good question. That's something that I think people need, need to have. And so I, I need to, need to, assessing themselves. And so for uh, answer that before I answer that question, give a quick story about how that happened. I, um, so before I ended up, uh, I, I, right after I graduated college, I, I had to raise a little bit of money and I went to North Korea. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was with a team called Athletes in Action. And so Athletes in Action, you go play basketball in other countries and you talk about, it's a Christian missions trip. You go talk about your walk with Christ and how you came to Christ and, and things to that, things to that, of, of that nature. And so I, for some reason, I, I was able to, with just a simple letter, I ended up raising like $5,000. I owe me $5,000 American. I was going with a Canadian team. They said all I needed to bring in was two grand Canadian, which was which means it was like $1,500 American. Mm -hmm. I ended up raising like $5,000, right? And so the point I'm trying to make is people saw, saw what I was trying to accomplish and, and they, they, they got behind it. Mm -hmm. So I was able to persuade them with what I was doing and who I was, my character as a person. So. In the middle of that, I start to I, what I realized is I was building up what I was what I was getting ready to do, and after I came, but before I started doing that, I was cleaning offices, cleaning office buildings, and everything else. And I, I'll be completely clear and honest with you, and I've never really said this to anybody else. Come to think of it, I remember one time I was in the shower. One night I was in the shower, and I, I remember crying in the shower about why do I keep doing this? Why? why when is this going to? When, when? When am I going to get my break? When mm -hmm. is this going to happen? I was like, Lord, what are you like? I was almost like. When Jesus like in the garden of Gethsemane, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Or, you know, I don't want to do it. And God's like, you got to do it. And it's kind of like that. That's kind of the, that's kind of the experience I was having. And I was like, why is this, why, why can't I just get what I want? Like what, what, you know, and what I realized is he didn't answer me the way most people would answer you, like with words. Right. I believe that he answered me that I needed to go through this so I could appreciate what I was about to walk into. Right. And so, so many people don't have what they want because they're not prepared to deal with the consequences of getting it. So you see this in sports a lot. It's the easiest thing to see is in sports. Mm -hmm. But what, what people don't realize, because for example, the guy's like, oh, he's such a good athlete. I don't understand why he can't keep it together. He has all that money. The money has nothing to do with it. The guy never had the character to keep it. Right. And so you see this with other people in your friends and walks of life who just live in their life mediocre and they don't have the character to step into that greatness. And so they're wondering every day why it's not happening for me, but they don't have the character. So they haven't looked back at, the, at what they have to go through in order to get to where they need to be. So to answer your question, I remember staying in the shower, crying my eyes out. I mean, the good news is it was right. It was water coming. So <laughs> you could have blamed it. Yeah. yeah. I had water and I, it was crazy. And I just said, oh, I got shampoo in my eyes. And even though I didn't have any hair, <laughs> uh, that didn't really work too well. But 
but I use that. And, and the, the thing was this, it's, it's, it's like, I knew it was possible. I had certainty. So one of the biggest fears, and, and I know I might be going on a tangent, but one of the biggest fears, or sorry, biggest mistakes people make in life mm-hmm. is the lack of certainty, lack of certainty. It's not, I need money for my business. It's not, I need an idea. It's not any of that crap. It's lack of certainty. Now here's why. If, if you look at how life is and how um, how marketing and advertising operates, mm-hmm. uh, they, they sell you because you have a lack of certainty. Right? It's easier to sell you something because you lack certainty. You're not you're not 100 sure about yourself. Right now, now even if I'm wrong in, in the decision I made, I cannot be uncertain in the execution of that wrongness. Right? I can't be I can't be uncertain because it'll never it will, it will, I'll never put in enough effort to get it where it could be. If I start, if I start doing this lip wrist stuff, I'm like, oh, maybe I should, I shouldn't. Because mm-hmm. actually, when you had any idea you probably had in your life that you didn't, that you didn't move with, when you lacked certainty in it, you never went forward with it. You didn't make the extra call. You didn't write the email. You didn't do the whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You mm-hmm. didn't do it. Right? Or if you did it, it was half-assed. Right. right? And, and nothing half-assed is ever going to come. You're never going to get greatness from half-assed. Right. You don't build the pyramids and they last thousands of years by half-assed workmanship. It doesn't. It, it can't it, it, to have a baby. It takes you nine months. But if you're smoking, drinking, doing drugs mm-hmm. and everything's half-assed, the baby's going to come out a mess. It's always a by the, the results are always a byproduct of the amount of effort you put into it. So, so I'm getting excited. So um, to answer your question, the lack of certainty is what matters to what, what, what people, what people are missing. So they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in their product. They don't believe in their deal. They don't believe that they, they deserve it. They don't believe in, that someone they're with loves them enough. They don't believe that they love themselves. Whatever you fill in the blank, whatever product you're selling, mm-hmm. right? Why do I need to buy Powerade to drink? Well, because uh, you because you lack water's not enough for you. And you're like, oh, maybe water's not enough for me. Let me buy this sugary drink. So to answer your question, it, sorry to, to go a little bit deeper. Certainty is the thing that's actually missing in a lot of a lot of ways. And I, I was certain during that summer. I was so certain to the point where was, I was crying in the shower, like a like 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 ridiculous. So basically, faith <laughs> over fear. Exactly, exactly, exactly. How did you, I mean, <clears throat> your faith was obviously more than, bigger than your fears, but you did have some fears because you're lie. human. How yep. did you overcome those fears? Um, through action. So a lot of times, it, it's, it's harder to, it's harder, it's very, not harder, it is. It's harder or a lot more difficult um, to sit there in a level of uncertainty, because again, uncertainty is just a, is a byproduct of fear. Mm-hmm. It's part of parts and parcel, mm-hmm. and part and parcel. So if 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 you and, and usually when you have fear and uncertainties, because you have idle time to let your brain allow your brain to wander, right? You know, hardest thing in the world. I mean, people say this about women a lot, but the same thing happens with men. We all have these level of uncertainty when you have idle time in your brain to be in your own thoughts. Very few people are, are mentally disciplined enough to control their thoughts and how things, how things act and behave. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. So I'm not sitting here pointing fingers, sitting on a pinnacle. So those are watching who feel the need to say something, keep it to yourself. Like I'm not, I'm not here to tell you, you know, I'm, I did this. That's not what I'm trying to say. We all go through that. The difference is I don't do it as much as other people do. Right. So um, being in your own, in your kid, you know, you'd be like, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. Well, this guy has more of this and that. This woman has, I mean, we do it all the time. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 and society capitalizes on that. So to answer your question about fear and uns- fear and uncertainty, 
I have to do, I have to take action. It's, it's, it's a lot harder for me to start worrying if I'm making a hundred calls a night. It, it is. I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't be on the phone. I can't be, I can't be like, I'm on the phone. The guy's answering the phone. <laughs> I never heard. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I got it. I got so you notice it, 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 it emotion is infectious. So mm-hmm. if, if, I, if this guy calls me on the phone, like, Hey, what's going on? I, I get out of my, my self-depressive state of, 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 of what was me type nonsense. And I got to answer, I got to handle this guy now and, and maybe he can give me a, give me a basketball gig. So, or anything else I'm trying to do. Right. So, so that's, that's, so action is one of the things I do uh, in order to, in order to um, um, uh, move forward and get out of the level of fear. Wow. <laughs> I can talk to you all day. I mean, you you keep saying that you don't want to be a motivational speaker, but I feel like that's your calling. Like it's written all over you. You get so passionate and yeah, you just, I think you should think about it. Uh, you should be, you'd be surprised how people send me messages. So I get a message from people all over the world and um, I really do. And, and a lot of them are just, you know, sometimes they're, they're just like uh, my, my YouTube people send me messages. They'll see my YouTube, a YouTube video and they'll be mm-hmm. like, Hey, this video really helped me change my life. I don't understand. You, know, you don't understand. I hope you realize that. Da, 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 da. And I, it used to like, I never understood the magnitude of the impact that I was having on other people's lives. And it literally, I used to get emotional all the time. People would tell me this mm-hmm. because, and not because, and not because I, I it's, it's not, a, it's not a sympathy for them. It's more like, Holy cow, what I'm saying matters to somebody like that feeling. You right, know what I'm saying? Like, right. There's somebody right now watch who's going to be listening and watching your podcast and thinking, I can do what I can do what she's doing. That's awesome. And get inspired. And that, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's an amazing feeling. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's phenomenal to it have is. to feel that. It so is. I'm just living my life. If it inspires and motivates people, Hey, that's gravy. You know, that's just, that's, that's all gravy. So <clears throat> let's move past your basketball career. You, you went overseas, had a successful career, but then figured, okay, it's my time to move on. Mm-hmm. When you came back, you obviously you had your CPA degree to fall back on, which mm-hmm. you did intentionally because you knew that was a safe net for you. How did you end up getting into being becoming an author? And I want to talk a little bit about your book too because it's amazing okay. and it has amazing reviews. So let's let's talk about your journey back. You know, you transitioning from your basketball career to what you are now, and then we'll talk about your book as well. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, the, the thing is, it's very simple. Basketball is, is uh, the life. Basketball life is limited, especially if you're playing in Europe and if you're not playing with a lot of like high level teams. I was playing with a mid level team for the most part. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these teams run out of money. And so what ended up happening my second year, I was playing in England. I played in Switzerland my first year. and I played in England my second year and this team ran out of money. And they're like, we can't afford to pay you the last three months of your contract. And you have one of two things you can do. You can stay and keep playing for free, which I've been doing for 20 years of my life, which I'm not going to do. Right. <laughs> or I could try and find another another team to play on. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I'd miss I'd miss the, the trade slash transfer window because um, each country has their own transfer window. that allows you to bring in players midseason. And I missed it, you know, through that. And I don't I don't think they did it on purpose. It doesn't matter. Um, and I started thinking, I was like, what is. The other thing I thought about is this is not going to be, I'm not going to be playing this game doing this at this level for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, I still play competitively right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, recreationally, but it's, it's, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. All I, I'm putting my eggs in this basket of something I can't, I can no longer control. My ability to stay on a team has nothing to do with how good I am. 
it all comes down to whether or not this guy's a good steward with money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They can raise enough money or has enough money in the budget to pay me. So when that happened, I was like, I got to get out of this. This is not giving, I'm, I'm rather, I'm, I was almost like an indentured slave at some point because somebody, somebody can write a check and someone can rip up the check. And I wanted to get out of that, try to get out of that business, especially mm-hmm. with something as arbitrary as basketball. Um, so coming back was difficult because I still wanted to play. I was still young enough. And I moved, I moved home. I, my mom was living in Niagara Falls. I moved to Niagara Falls, Canada for about a month or two. Mm-hmm. I worked in retail, like selling clothes or whatever at an outlet store for about a month or two. And then I got a job uh, two months, about a month after that, I got a job in, uh, in Buffalo, New York, uh, using, my, using accounting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a big company uh, called Sodexo. And then I transferred to their corporate headquarters down here in, in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and uh, right outside Washington, D.C. And that's how I ended up in the D.C. area. Uh, but Throughout that whole period, I always knew that I needed to figure out what my lane was. And when I figured out my lane, that would be where I would go in head first uh, entrepreneurially. And one of the things I will share with you is that I made a huge mistake in one of the businesses I started. I started a business in 2008, 2009. Uh, it was called Mi Eka. I, I love Italian. I used to speak a little bit of Italian when I was a kid. I speak French a little bit too, uh, being, being, in, being Canadian. And um, Michiamo Eka means my name is Eka, mm-hmm. and Michiamo um, uh, Michiamo Eka was um, uh, was a men's clothing line made to measure, uh, kind of uh, made to measure. So kind of like build a bear for for suits. Mm-hmm. Pick fabric, you pick this, you pick that, and then we put it together, and there it is. You look wow. great. And I had clients like uh, former uh, NFL players like Terrell Suggs, um, who played for the Ra- who played for the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other executives and, and celebrities and stuff like that. And I made I made some I made some missteps in that business. Uh, in addition, final the final death blow was the economy was going down in right. 2009. Um, but in a nutshell, I you know I got you know I, I got I got spanked from some of the things I, I didn't focus intently on how to build my sales channel, my sales process, and that's what got me. Mm. Um, I didn't I didn't I didn't create a process for for getting customers and sales. I also didn't create a process for delivering the service, and uh, I just thought I could do it myself. Da da da. But that's that's what got me in the ass, and I ended and and then that's what I ended up uh, losing a ton of money in that process. And from that process, all the lessons that you learned, you figured you can pass it on to someone else so they don't make the same mistakes through your book. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's kind of it. So, um, the the, the genesis of the book is twofold, actually. Um, and, and before while I was playing basketball, just before I started playing basketball, um, I. I've been writing business plans for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and I was I was writing business plans for myself for ideas I had. I was pitching um, VCs and angel investors. I was helping other people do the same thing. This was in 1999, 2000, while I was in Europe, but even before I was in Europe. When I came back, I continued to write business plans. And what I realized was something. This, this happened to me. I went to go talk to uh, an angel investor, and he was with a VC. And I was telling him about the idea, and he's like, "Yeah, that's great. So let me see your business plan." So he grabbed my business plan from me. He opened a page, looked at my table of contents, did this, went over, licked, licked his finger, turned the pages, ripped out four pages, and gave me back the the business plan. Uh, you know, business plan. And I said, like, "What?" He's like, "He's like, all I to make a decision. All I need is to talk to you and read these four pages." And I was like, "Why the hell did I just?" In my mind, I'm like, "Why right. the hell spend five weeks writing this garbage if if all if all you're gonna do is rip out four pages? Doesn't even have that much information on them." And then from there, I started learning a little bit more the genesis and the importance of a business plan. People use that term loosely, but in reality, it's not, it's not so much a business plan. There are four areas you need to focus on. And that's the premise of the book, the premise of my business. 
uh, the premise and how I operate in general. And uh, the four major areas you need to focus on. Um, and really simply put, it's, uh, I call it the four S's, is structure, strategy, systems, and sales. Structure is identifying uh, the right customer and client uh, and your idea by solving a problem, right? So uh, businesses exist because you solve problems. Um, if you don't solve a problem, if it's a nice or, or nice to have, like apps, it, it's a very good chance it may not work. There's hundreds of thousands of apps in the app store, right? I, it, it's, it's too late now. It's almost too late. Right. Uh, I, I don't care if it cures cancer. Like if your app cures cancer, by all means, everybody will line up. They won't do, won't do anything else, but that's it's hard. So when somebody comes to me about an app, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like there's like thousands of thousands. It's hard. So um, that the other one is uh, your pricing, uh, structure strategy, strategies, your pricing, um, how, to, how to set and raise your prices so that you can get top dollar and, and actually grow your business. Uh, systems is how, the systems you have in your business. Um, how do you find talent? How do you automate talent? How do you automate a process that you don't have to waste your time doing? And then lots of sales. How do you sell on social? How do you sell in person? How do you sell in general? If you don't sell, you're basically charity you go out of business. That's basically it. Nice. I love that um you <clears throat> I love that you give real life practical money solutions that are tailored to like everyday people and you don't make it too complicated. And I love that your book is set up that same way too. It's very simple and straight to the point. The way I wrote, I wrote it the way I talk uh, for a reason, because I've, I mean, who wants to read a dictionary <laughs> in the ass? Like, I don't want to read any of that garbage. It's, it's hard. And, and, and look, it's funny. And I'll tell you this quick principle. And this is something you can apply to all parts of your life. Mm-hmm. You hit a level of resistance in your learning of something. The likelihood of you continuing with it really goes down to single digits. And, and for example, if you hear a, if you're reading a page of something and you don't understand a word or a concept, Everything you read after that word or that concept will not be understood because your brain is still stuck at that word. Because it because it matters. All everything together matters in context. So if even if even if the word is inconsequential or the word doesn't matter, as long as you have not resolved what that word means to you, there's absolutely no way you'll learn anything else after that. That's why people can sit here and read a page, you know, read a page of stuff and go over it and then read the same page like eight eight times and then never comprehend anything. So it's the same thing. So if I write all like, you know, or do this and I'm really smart, you're not, you're not <laughs> going to apply it. You just wasted $20 of your money and your time for something that you're not going to use. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. Um, and also on top of you being an author, you have workshops for business owners or people that are trying to start their businesses. Tell us a little bit about that. And I know you have an event coming up soon, right? Yes, yes. We have an event coming up uh, in uh, late July, and it's an opportunity for, it's a workshop, live workshop for entrepreneurs to work with me directly. And we're going to have, I'm limiting it to anywhere from 50 to 60 service-based entrepreneurs, and here's why. So what I did was this. I limited the type of people who could work, who could come to this workshop, and here's why. Because I want to increase the likelihood of your success. If I if I worked with somebody who did Amazon or somebody who did this, did that, it, the likelihood of me being able to to help you completely dwindle. So if you go to someone and they tell you I can help everything, you should run because <laughs> it's hard to be an expert in everything. I don't care who you are. And so the, the workshop is very simple. We're going to spend the whole day and I might even, I might even go to another day, but we're going to spend the whole day going over uh, getting clarity and certainty in your customer and identifying your customer. So sometimes you don't identify the right customer. You're selling to the wrong person. They're not buying your product uh, or your service. Sometimes you're just selling to the wrong person. You're selling to somebody who can't buy 
who, who doesn't have the willingness to buy or the ability or the availability to buy. So it's how do you identify that and understand that? Um, we're also gonna talk about pricing. Um, a lot of people, especially people of color, women, um, also messies with men too. We think people buy because of price and they don't. They don't buy because of price. If they did, they wouldn't. No, you wouldn't see people driving Teslas. There are Teslas all over the place out here in DC. But they're buying Teslas because it's a Tesla, right? It's Elon Musk. It's not, or else you go buy a Hyundai or buy some other car. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with any of those cars because cars are cars to some degree. But you wouldn't buy the car if, if, if it was just price. Or you wouldn't buy a Birkin bag as a woman if it was just price. Or you go, you know, go get a library bag or a Trader, Trader Joe's bag and carry your stuff around in that. <laughs> and um, which sounds crazy, but yeah, but still, but people do it. And so, um, and the other, and the, and the other thing we're going to talk about is uh, the importance of um, how to get credit from your, how to get credit and loans and capital from your bank and other lenders. Um, uh, that's something that I do really well with businesses, showing them how to present what they do and who they are, so the the bankers can say, "Hey, here's some money." And that happens all the time if you do it right. That's how I'm able to raise, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand like that without even having to do anything, just not not even filling out paperwork. Um, and then the, uh, the last thing we're going to there's, there's, there are multiple modules within that, but the last major thing we're going to do is I'm going to help you. I'm going to show small business owners how to build their sales process. Um, and this is it's not it's not about sales funnels or Facebook ads, which may be a component of that, mm-hmm. right? If that's the case, it may work like that, which I can help you with. Uh, but the major thing is this, how do I get in front of the, how do I find the right person? How do I get in front of the right person? How do I get them to answer my emails, eventually get on the phone with them? What's the process for, uh, what, how can we, co- how can I create a script while I'm talking to them on the phone, right? Because people get on the phone and wing it. You know, they say, hey, my, my service is cheap. Uh, do you want to buy it? And then, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, if it's a dude, as an example, I'm going to use a male-female dynamic. A dude calls a woman and says, hey, uh, do you want to get married? Like, I don't know your name. Like, that's the equivalent of what people do. So the goal is how do, you, how do you stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish by telling them your intention and telling them and working with figuring out what problems you can solve for them. In some cases, I can say, you know what? This is not going to work for you, you know? And in some cases, I say, look, I'm so certain this can work for you. We need to move forward. So we're going to go through all that process. When you leave the workshop, your life and your business is going to change. I'm going to show you how people like um, a graphic designer was able to find her three highest paying clients in the next week after working uh, through, our, through our program. Um, uh, another massage therapist who runs a massage service business raises profits by 30% uh, and his client base by 161%. Um, yet another um, another uh, uh, woman who runs um, uh, in the telecom space. And after literally, after a week uh, of uh, working um, working together, she literally, she signed like a $96,000 contract uh, that was idle for a while after a few little tweaks of what she had outreach and what to say to people. So that's kind of examples of certain people and what they're able to do um, after going through a program like this. Wow. And when is it? It's going to be the end of July. So initially it's supposed to be July 27th. So depending on when you're listening to this, if it's July 27th, um, if it's still that date and that's what it is. And if it's not, it's going to be within that week because I have to, I have to move the venue now because I think the numbers may be a little bit bigger. Mm. Um, and the, the place I was supposed to go to can't necessarily accommodate anymore. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be that week, May end of, end of uh, July 27th. And the website is, um, uh, betterbusinessgrowth.com, betterbusinessgrowth.com. Nice. And that's where they can go to get more information and the exact yes. date and venue. Yep. And then, and then, and then apply because it's, a, there's an application process. Um, I'm not just taking everybody. Um, it's not the money. It's, it's, it's more, it's, it's, well, 
part of it's the money, but if you apply, I'm literally I'm able to see where your de- deficiencies may be, and then actually I can have a conversation on whether or not it works. So the process is very simple: read everything, watch the video, uh, that's on the page, uh, apply, and then after you apply, uh, you'll have a call with me for about 15 minutes. We'll talk about the deficiencies and what's going on or your challenges, and then we book it, we get your seat, and then we'll see you in the end of July. Sounds pretty simple, people. You better sign up. Numbers are limited. (laughs) (laughs) You know one thing I wanted to say before we keep going? I know earlier on you had mentioned um, about my book. And I want to I tell this quick story about my book and how I got my book deal. Yeah. And the reason I want to share the story is because there are a lot of people who always reach out to me and ask me about um, how do I get a book, how do I write a book and all that kind of stuff. And I wrote my first book, the one I talked about earlier, is traditionally published, which means I, I got a publishing company to pay me in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote the book and they published it. It took care of everything and uh, um, designed the cover and distribution and everything else. Got it in Amazon, got it in Barnes and Nobles, got it overseas. Um, and then uh, the, the, the most recent book I published several months ago, um, I did that myself. I wrote that book in about three hours. It's about... Um, like 9,000 words, wrote in about three hours. It's a 50-page pocketbook, small book. Um, and you can put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, and you can read it in 15 minutes. And mm. after that, it should give you the tools of what you need to get going. Um, and so the, the, the book, I've been trying to get a book uh, publisher, because this question happens a lot. I've been try- I was trying to get a publisher for the last, for, for two and a half years before I got my book deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 252, 253 uh, said no. To me, um, send emails out, call them. Nope, 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 no, no, no. I got a lot of no. I got so many no's that thought I was my name. And, um, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I was like, my name is no now. So, no, I, I, can't, I can't So, I kept going. And, but what ended up happening is uh, a literary, literary agent reached out to me. The way that the publishing business works is get with the literary agent and they like your project, they'll sign you because they are like the first step to getting in front of the right publisher, mm-hmm. unless you're already famous. So the literary agent will sign you and then they'll help you craft your proposal, your book proposal, and then you go sell it to the, to the publisher. And before you find a literary agent, you have to write a query, which is a one-page sheet to explain why you're the person to write this book and other books that are like it. And so it's a synopsis of, of a book proposal. So I wrote a query. I've been writing queries. I was writing queries for over two years. I was writing book proposals for over two years. So when the literary agent reached out to me and said, asked me to write a, a, an accounting book, I said no. Because that's boring. Who wants to read a dictionary? Right. Uh, and and she thought she could sell that to one of the biggest business book publishers. And so what happened after that is they said, "Yeah, we like him. We like his platform. He's doing TV." That. Um, then they came, after they after she signed me as as my literary agent, uh, the uh, they said no. And they, they said, "You know what? We changed our mind. We don't want to do it." And I was devastated. And I, I did all this work. I wrote a book proposal. Um, literally, I wrote a book proposal in a week. It's like thirty thousand words. Wrote that in a week. Because uh, I've been writing for I've been writing for two years, so right. it's, it's, it's easier. Um, th- th- that goes back to what I'm saying: the things you do repeatedly become second nature, right? It's like if you're a cop, the reason why you can pull your gun and do whatever is because you've been training for years. Mm-hmm. A person can't do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or play basketball, or play some, whatever it is, or do what you're doing, right? Someone who's never done this before will sit there and look like an idiot. Look, you, look, you look great what you're doing because you've been doing this for a while. So, um, so there's there's benefit in, in repetition. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I was devastated. I reached out to two friends of mine, one of which is a former star of the TV show Hoarders. His name is Matt Paxton. And I called him on the phone and I was like, Hey, you know, 
uh, this is what happened. I told him what happened. I just told you. And he said, look, um, everything that's happened to me that's been good, um, just before it happened, I hit a big wall. I thought something bad was going to happen. It, something bad happened to me as I, as, to him as, 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 I, as I saw it. Um, I wasn't, whatever, you fill in the blank. Like something, some setback. He ran into some mm-hmm. setback. Mm-hmm. setback. And soon after that, his miracle came. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, what? It sounded like a story. I'm like, that's a story, whatever, man. I was like, cool, I'll listen to it. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> and then a week after, like a week to eight days after that conversation, my literary agent calls me back and says, I found you a publisher. They're going to pay you the advance you want. Um, find a publisher. They're going to pay you the advance you want. I'm going to send you over the contract. Let's sign it. Let's get going. And then, and then she said, the good news is they want everything you want is there. You can sign it. And let's get going. She said, the bad news is you have to write the book in three months. And I was like, damn. And I was like, well, you know what? I was like, hey, I spent two and a half years doing this on my own without getting money. Right. So what's what's three months? Let's. Let's get let's get it cracking. And it was um I had to write 65,000 words. Um and which is about 222 20, 229 pages something like that uh, in book form. Yeah. I had to write all that. Every in three single months. day. Every single day in 3 months. Every day I wrote for about 6 hours a day. So you obviously weren't doing any other job but that, right? No, I was working. I had a, so on top of that I was working at a I was working at an accounting firm. Um I had a client of mine at the time. And uh, like I was doing, I was, I was doing some contracting work. So the accounting firm brought me in to help them with some work they had. Mm-hmm. And so they sent me to this client somewhere and I'm working, I'm doing 10 hour, 10, 11 hour days at this client. So I go in at 8, 30, 9 o'clock, come home at about seven, eight o'clock that night. I would have dinner, you know, never hang out from nine o'clock to two in the morning. I would write oh. every single day, five days a week. And then on the weekends, I wrote probably 10 hours a day. So Saturday I'd, I'd get up whenever I wanted to get up because I, I wanted to sleep in. And from there, I write for like eight, nine, ten hours for the for the two weekend days. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do nothing. I didn't. That was your life, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I wanted this so badly. Right. And so they give it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow the blow the blow the you know the deal to me of a lifetime. But I consider it a deal of a lifetime. And no one else wanted to give me. You know, the, I mean, this is this is nothing. So. So for me, so so there's a there's a, a guy named Stephen Pressfield who says um, in uh, the War of Art where he talks about uh, the the biggest set the, the, the biggest um, problem people have is resistance and resistance is many forms. Resistance is uh, being lazy or want, not wanting to do it or mm-hmm. someone talking to you or whatever it is. And he said the professional the professional is somebody who does what he or she's supposed to do regardless of how they feel emotionally. Mm-hmm. Amateur wakes up and works when he or she wants to. You can fill in the blank of whatever the hell it is. It could be sports. You can, I guarantee you, you can watch basketball and know who the amateur is and who the pro is. Very simple. Even though they're both playing on the same team in the same league. You can see it in your field, in my field, in every field. You can see who the amateur is, who the professional is. Why? The professional works when he or she does not want to, and they continue to work towards a goal or a purpose. The, the, the amateur is like, I don't feel like writing today. Hey, I have no choice. I have to write. Like, it, I'm, I'm gonna go through all this work and then blow it. Right. Because I, I want to chill. I should have chilled before and said, forget the idea. You know, I really appreciate that you're not sugarcoating your journey at all because people see the successful you and they think, oh, you know, he's just lucky or whatever. And just hearing the background and all the hard work that had to go in it. It really wakes people up, but you know, it makes you question how bad do you really want it? Cause that's yes. the bottom line. 
That's the question you always have to ask yourself. And and as much as people say, I really want it bad, you know, and Eric Thomas says this, how bad do you want it? As bad as you want to breathe. And they're like, I really want it. <laughs> All day long, it sounds great, right? You wake up in the morning, you get excited. You listen to Eric Thomas, you want to do jumping jacks. Right. You know what it is? When it's two in the afternoon, you just had a big lunch and, you, and you're supposed to do some work and you don't. Mm-hmm. Or it's nine at night and you want to watch Scandal and you, 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 rather, you, you know you should be working like, or, or you have a significant other who's like, hey, let's go out. And you're like, I, I have to do this. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and it's your responsibility not only to tell yourself that you have to do it, but also share with the people who are in your life so that they understand who you are as a person. And too many times, like, I'll put it this way. I heard somebody say this once, that there's a very good chance that we probably could have cured cancer by now. But the person who was well-equipped to cure cancer um, had somebody or other people in their lives that distracted them. Now, I'm not telling you to become a machine and go live in the mountains and work. But in the same token, it's being singular of, of focus and singular of purpose of what you want to do. And it's your responsibility as a, as a person who's on a mission to, uh, to, to, to influence others around you so that they understand that guy works, that woman busts her ass. Um, I, I, I'm not going to come to you with nonsense, right? Like Bill Gates. You think people go to Bill Gates and say, hey, Bill Gates, let's, let's, play, uh, let's play checkers. No, they like they respect him because it's time because he's like, I have to work like this. Now he can he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He has to be singular. They know that that's what he's known for. He's known for working. Work is good for you. It's not bad for you. Right. People look at the Bible and they say, um, you know, God made the earth in six days and he rests in the seventh. He rested because he worked for six days. He was he tired. Rest yeah. he rested. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there are people resting and they haven't done anything all week, right? <laughs> so when I tell people my story of like with you or in general, like mm-hmm. I tell other people they hear my story, what I've done, they're like, man, you work like, work is good for you. It helps you with my character of who I am as a person. You know, I'm not, I'm not just digging a hole, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you have something to show for what you're doing. And and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that everything you do is going to work. It just means you can show why you put the time and the effort to focus on that one thing. Wow. So that brings me to this question. Who was your support system while you were doing all this? Um, when I was writing the book, my support system was uh, scotch. And uh, I, no, I'm, I'm for real. I drink a lot of scotch. And uh, I, I had a scotch bottle. and I was just like <laughs> drinking water, scotch, water. And, and but as it comes to human beings, um. Um, I'm dead serious. I went through so many bottles of scotch, but when I, when I was, it's, it's hard, it's, it's draining to write, but um, in general, it, it was, I set the tone of who I am. And as a result, people respected it. And I didn't, I, I had other people who, and this is the thing, and I'll say this much. Um, it's imperative that you find other people in your life that are either doing what you want to do further along than you are. And even maybe um, not at the same level you are. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Because they're all going through, they're either they they have either gone through your journey or about to go through your journey, or or they can give you feedback on what they experienced on that particular journey. I don't want opinions from people who aren't don't who won't put up the money, and who haven't done what I'm trying to do. So if someone who's like who doesn't read books is telling me about what book I should write. You kidding? I ain't, I ain't trying to hear that. Or somebody who doesn't have the courage do what you're doing right now and, and have a podcast and reach out to people and say, Hey, please be on my podcast. And they're going to give you advice. I'm not trying to hear it. I'm, it's, it's so obvious that I don't care what they have to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not disrespectful with it. I don't tell them to go, you know, to go jump in a lake or 
<laughs> jump off a building or something. Or go play in traffic, you know? Yeah, go play in traffic. Go play, yeah, go play pick up sticks in traffic. You know, I don't tell them that, but but in the same token, I automatically file it in a box of something that I don't give a crap about. I'm going to set on fire. Like, I don't, I'm not interested because they, they, they haven't done the work to get to where I am to give me advice. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's finding people who understand that. And what ends up happening when you become that focused and that certain, people start to respect you for what you do. They won't play games with your time. They won't play games with um, um, why you're not going out to having a drink. They'll be like, oh, she works. Oh, yes, she has, she's trying to do that. You, you notice that. That's what ends up happening. You see that with sports as an example. It's always easier, it's always easier to see with sports. The, LeBron James, people aren't going to waste his time. He's in the gym doing what he's doing. Right. In the league doing what he's like. It's ridiculous. And no one's going to say, oh, I, I want to waste LeBron's time. They're not going to do that. But you know whose time they're going to waste? A guy like Lamar Odom, a guy like Marshawn Lynch. I mean, they are. Because they, 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 or Dwight Howard, they've shown that they don't take what their, their craft seriously. So, you know, why, if you're not taking it seriously, why should I take it seriously for you? And, and let's go waste time and eat candy all day. Hmm. Um, last question. I feel like you need to come back because this is a lot of knowledge that no problem. we all need to hear. So, no um, this, obviously this podcast is geared towards immigrants, <clears throat> And a lot of times, I think our biggest struggle when we come here is the whole um, fear. You know, the fear, we have fear over our faith. Sometimes we feel inferior, you're in a new country, and you just feel like you don't really have much to offer anymore. Even if you did, you don't, somehow we just lose confidence in ourselves. What do you say to those people that have a lot to offer, but for whatever reason, they've started believing all these doubts, and now they just kind of, they just give up. They give up on life, and you see you see it more in the adults than the younger generation. Yeah. What do yeah. you what do you say to those people? The the, the and I, I think one of the reasons why you see it in the adults mm-hmm. is because they're tired. They, they fought like to them, their victory was getting here, mm-hmm. right? And so their victory was uh, getting getting the being legal, like it, it, immigrating legally is their victory. Mm-hmm. So initially, my victory initially was eventually immigrating legally. And um, at one of my victories. Mm-hmm. And so it just happened that I was young enough to, 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 to understand it's more than what I just, than that one particular thing. Right. All the adults, their immigration, immigrating to the U.S. and, and, and the Western world is like, I, I've done it. I'm, a, I'm on top of the mountain now. Mm-hmm. But you have it. And so you see with the younger people who end up being born there or being brought as a young age, mm-hmm. it, it, they, they, don't, they, they, have, they don't have that same type of... Uh, um, what I'm looking for, they have the same type of pressure. I don't mean like cultural pressure, I, which is part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean like nature pressure, like you weren't eating, or I mean you were struggling because you know you didn't you didn't speak the language, like that kind. They don't they're not going through that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I say to people, I would say to somebody who's going through that would be, but to think about that would be, think about what your life would be like if you went back. What would your life be like if you went back? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a reason why immigrants in this country do so well. And in many cases, I really believe that they do better than people who were born here already. Yeah. The reason why the mindset is different because they see like it's different because you have a level of perspective. Right. And so because your perspective is different, your outcome is different. Right. The way I see the world is different than somebody who's never gone through what I went through. And the level, all the pains and all the all the failures and, and all the successes. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I can say certain things with certainty that someone would be like, oh, but don't do that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I can say the opposite because I've seen what 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 being being uh, being singular purpose actually actually means. And 
I will say for for uh, the immigrants who are watching this and those who who, who experience uh, where they coming from one place and coming here is that this country don't there's a few things do not if you don't get anything else I said to you tonight. If you don't, oh, you've been here for an hour. You don't understand anything, any damn thing that I said to you. Hey, you don't understand anything I said. If you don't get it, one thing you should get is that do not allow people in this country who I consider to be merchants of chaos. Now, merchants of chaos are people who who make money and profit from from selling bad news to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, do not let people give you all these these negative information, negative things, tell you how bad the world is, everything else, and allow you and miss out on opportunities for being in this country. Not do not allow that to happen. Do not get sucked up into the the climate of the, the you know the 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 outrage of the day, the outrage of the week and the year. You can get you can get annoyed, get angry, say some stuff on Facebook, but how does that affect and how does that enrich your life and your purpose? Mm. Every single day, ask yourself that question. When I get angry about something, I gotta ask myself, how does this, how does this affect my life? How does it enrich my purpose? If the answer is no, it doesn't, and the answer is I can't have an answer. I gotta leave it in the past where it belongs. That's it. You're in a country, you're in America, there are people literally dying to get here. Like, they're dying. They're finding bodies floating in the, in the Caribbean and stuff, getting here, all inner mm-hmm. tubes and stuff. We're trying to get this. People in containers, Chinese, working in sweatshops and slave shops so they can come to this country. Ain't nobody trying to do that to get to Poland. Ain't nobody trying to do that to get to Greece. Nobody trying to do that to get to any of these places, right? They're doing that to get to, no one's trying to do that to get to Canada. They're doing that to get to the U.S. Why? Because there's opportunity in this place that you can't get anywhere else. I mean, and I'm, we're living proof of that. Every single day, you see people who are living, living proof for it, who, are, who are living that kind of life. So it's not supposed to be easy. The, the mistake people make is that they think that it's supposed to be, it, it, they think that there's, there's, there's equality of outcome, and you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, equality of human being and rights and opportunity is way different than equality of outcome. So this is what people will tell you is emergence of chaos. They'll say, um, Black people do this and white people do this and more, more white people are getting houses in this versus the black people don't have the wealth, whatever. You can't equate equality of opportunities to outcome because you don't know what the background is. You don't know if the person had parents who gave them money. You don't know if the person's an African who came with no money and eventually bought their own house. Mm-hmm. You don't know if the person decided not to work hard and they want to do, do whatever they were doing. You don't know if the person decided to live in San Francisco where you can't even buy a house if you wanted to. Versus living in the Midwest somewhere where you can buy a house for, for VCR, right? Like there's so many, there's so many differences. And so if you're not careful, you allow this, this narrative to, 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 to plant seeds in your head. Mm-hmm. It, it all may be true, but if it's not affecting you directly and, and you're not trying to be a martyr and not trying to like turn it into a cause of yours, how is that making your life any better? How is that helping you achieve what you want in this planet while you're here? Okay. Because the thing is this. You have the people who, who who wallow in depression. Again, this is not this is not an indictment of people who deal with depression because again, there's chemical stuff, and I, I get that. Right. But I'm saying for those who willfully are are moved emotionally by by news and outside influence, there's a difference. For those who like that, they have the luxury of going through that because when you're starving, you don't have the luxury of being sad. I mean, you just don't. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you're worried about where you're going to live, you don't have the luxury of being depressed. You don't mm-hmm. have the luxury of, of complaining about the government and Trump or whoever the hell else you want to complain about. Trump never gave me money. Clinton never gave me money. Obama never gave me money. And nobody gave me money. Everything I have is me, right? And God. Other than that, that's it. Like, they, they, they did it. So 
I, I can't wait for, for my Messiah to come. Like the Bible doesn't say anything about my president of the United States coming. It's, it's talking about somebody else. It's not talking about, you know, so I can't. So anyway, so for anybody who's watching, that, that's, that'll be my final message. You know, just, 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 just go back to focus on what you're trying to accomplish. I guarantee you there are a lot of people who like you, your race, your ethnicity, probably even from your same tribe who are killing it in life and in this country. Just find out who they are and learn what they did. I guarantee you, you'll be better off than most people who have who are who are born with money. Thank you so much, Abang. I've learned so much. I seriously, you have an open invitation. Come back anytime. I'm sure you're gonna write more books. I'm sure you have, you I know, yeah, more things coming up. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Where can thank people you. find you? Um, they can go to um abongeka.com, e-b-o-n-g-e-k-a.com. That's where I am. That's where I'm at. That's where you can contact me. You can learn more about my programs, uh, my books, my um things that I do. Uh it's all at uh abongeka.com. Also, um uh, our, our corporate the, the business for corporations is economics, e-k-a-n-o-m-i-c-s dot com. Um I like we'll that. Words, okay. yeah, I you like, like that? that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And and economics is a focus on your mission, mindset, and money. And the people who live amazing lives have those three things congruent. And so real quick, your mission is your purpose. That's just important. Your mindset has to be right. Because it doesn't matter if, again, you saw this in the Bible. I use the Bible as an example, but any any book of faith has the same thing. It has mm-hmm. always stories like that. They're all similar stories. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, Jesus comes back and doubting Thomas is like, nah, his mindset wasn't right. So he didn't believe, right? And so the same thing happened with your purpose. If you don't understand and believe your purpose and your mindset's all jacked up, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter who told you what. And then your money has to be right. Um, I don't care who you are. Money won't make you happy. Money doesn't grow. All that nonsense is not going to save you when you can't pay your rent. You've got to think about money. You've got to be focused on money. And how do I get more money? Not waiting for people to give me more money. So that's basically it. All right. Well, like I say, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I cannot wait to see what the future holds for you. Thank you so much. And uh, reach out to me. Anything I can do for any, any anybody, please, you go to my site. You can find out how to get a hold of me. Uh, send me a message. Any, any any value I can bring to you, please let me know. Um, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm beyond honored and, and humbled. Um, you're doing a great job of what you're doing. You're, you're, I, I know you're changing a lot of lives. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. For everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Until next time. You've been time. listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another inspiring story. Follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.